welcome to another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love, hosted by Richard Osler. I sure appreciate you that are going to Apple Podcasts in particular and writing written reviews or leaving a rating there. That helps get the message out of these podcasts. Um, so thank you for doing that. We don't have any sponsors so or any big long announcements to start these podcasts, but I do appreciate your effort to share and get the word out by the po- about the podcast. Um, today's podcast is a woman that reached out to me and, and um, emailed me and t- wanted to talk about homeschooling or see if there have been any podcasts about homeschooling. And I said to Jenny, no, there hasn't, and invited her to be on the podcast. Jenny Han, H-A-H-N, is our guest, and she will talk about why she's homeschooling her six kids. And the goal of this podcast is just to bring more understanding to why wonderful parents, LDS parents, choose to homeschool their kids. And for those of you that don't homeschool, like me, you may have some assumptions about families that do homeschool, and that may create even a divide in our wards and in our society between the the families that don't homeschool and the families that do. And one of the goals of this podcast is to dispel myths and find common ground and especially in our congregations and society, create ways that bring us together versus divide us. Um, Satan wants to divide us and find differences and then sort of accelerate those. So that's what we're talking about today. Um, Jenny's background is um, her and her husband live in um, Washington State near Vancouver. They've lived for about there for about five years. They're the parents of six children, age four to 18. They both graduated from BYU and are active in their local ward. Jenny is the primary president. She has a music degree, I believe, and her husband an engineering degree. And um, they've got, as I mentioned, six kids. And so that's kind of the overview of what the podcast is. And I just pray that a good spirit will be here. We can just have more understanding of why a family would homeschool their children. So is that a fair introduction, Jenny? Yeah, that's really kind. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) We offered a prayer before we started. Um, Let's start with um, this decision because Jenny visited with me ahead of time and it isn't like she comes from a family of homeschoolers. (laughs) Her mother, I think, was a public school teacher. So this is a a break, um, not in a negative way from the family tradition. You don't have any siblings doing this. You had no exposure to homeschooling your kids. Um, You're not a personally, we're not homeschooled. And so just talk about your decision to homeschool your kids. Sure. So my husband, after he graduated from BYU, his first job was in Mississippi. And we by then had a brand new baby, our oldest, and had we hadn't even talked about how will we educate our children. It wasn't even like a discussion. They would go to school like that was what we did. Like I said, you mentioned my mom was a public school teacher. My older sister is a public school teacher. I, in general, had a great school experience. And when my husband and I talked about our shared school experiences, we were like, well, middle school is the worst, but everything else is fine. So let's, you know, but it wasn't anything we really thought hard about. But we got that job in Mississippi and about four years living there, we said, where are we going to send our kids to school. The schools were really not great in Mississippi. And we thought, where do we go from here? And at the time where we lived, um, they had school choice. 
So you could just go to any school in the district that you wanted to go to. In addition to that, they had a magnet school, and it was first come, first serve for the magnet school. So lots of people in the ward went to the magnet school because it had better programs, it was a better environment. And the year that we were going to sign up for that, they switched instead of school choice, it was zoning. So you had to go to your school that you were zoned for. And the magnet school went from first come first serve to a lottery. And so we didn't make it in the lottery. And the school that we were zoned for, I had really bad feeling about sending my daughter there. And part of that was a woman that I visit taught had kids going there and was really struggling. Like they were having a really hard time. And I just thought, you know what? I bet I can talk my way into another school. So I actually went to a like my B school, my number two choice school, and just sold them on, I'm a musician and I can help with these programs and you really want my family at this school. And the principal finally realized I was not in his area. I can't go to his school. And he's like, I, there's nothing I can do. You can't come to the school. And I was just despairing. Like I was so upset. What was I going to do? And a friend of mine said, well, have you ever thought about homeschooling? And I was like, no, no, that's for weirdos. I am not, I'm not going to do that. But she just, you know, mentioned it offhand and said, I have a book. If you want to read a book about it, like this isn't what you're thinking it is. And as those, all those doors kept shutting for ways that I thought, okay, we can make this work for school. I started to really consider homeschooling and trying to examine my own biases about it and my fears. And now granted, my oldest was five. Like the, I wasn't going to ruin her, you know, like by sending her to school. And my husband was finishing up his master's in engineering and we knew at some point we were going to move. We weren't going to stay in Mississippi forever. We wanted to get closer to family. So I thought, okay, I can homeschool while we're here. Like it doesn't have to be a permanent lifestyle choice. And, but I mean, I was like crying about it regularly, just so upset that this is something that I was going to have to do. And I remember we went to the temple, our temple was Baton Rouge and it's like a three and a half hour drive. And I'd gone to the temple, you know, praying about this and just feeling like this is the only answer. This is the only thing I can do. And I remember driving on the way home and this spirit just saying, she's going to be fine. This is really for you you need to do this. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll take that answer. We'll do that. So we homeschooled, but I was also pregnant with my fourth. And it was, we, there were aspects that were fun, but I was trying to make it so much like school, like scheduled periods of subjects. And like, it was way too structured. She was five. I had three little girls. Like I look back at now and it just cracks me up. So and then we got a different job. We moved to Colorado and I said, everybody go to school. All right. So I sent everybody to school and we actually ended up going to three different schools while we lived in Colorado. Cause when we first moved there, we were in a rental. And so we had our neighborhood school there, but then we bought a house and then we had our neighborhood school for the house that we bought and their schools are really overcrowded. So they have year round school schedules. I don't know if the, they do that in Utah as well. Yes, but sometimes, yes. Yeah. So they had a year-round school schedule, but our neighborhood school had a system where the kindergartners were on a standard school schedule, like the traditional schedule, and then the rest of the school were on year-round. So my kindergartner and my second grader never had overlapping breaks. 
like they never had school off at the same time. And I thought, this is not sustainable. I have now five kids, <laughs> almost five kids, and uh, we have to change something. We need to all be on the same schedule. Because then, of course, I'd have elementary age kids. We'd have like three different schedules eventually. So I was like, let's just streamline this whole thing. So we got into a charter school and everybody now is on the same schedule. But it just, it rubbed wrong. I don't know how to describe it. Like it just didn't fit well. Like, and this was everybody in the ward went to this school. Everybody loved the school. Everyone was so happy there. This was, you know, an impetus to change and to go to the school. And I just thought something's wrong with me that why aren't my kids happy? Like one of my kids stopped eating and I was like, okay, now what? And the spirit just kept saying, just take them out, like homeschool them. And I, instead of warring against it, like I did when we lived in Mississippi, I was like, okay, yeah. I'll do that. And I pulled everybody out and it was just, it was so much easier. Like everybody was so much happier. We had more peace in our home. Like things were so much better than they were. Even though I was trying to do the system that everything that I was raised, you know, to think it should have worked and I should have made it work. But instead I just thought, okay, I'm just going to trust in the spirit and trust that Heavenly Father knows better than I do about how my kids should be educated. And so I pulled everybody out. And a year later, we moved to North Carolina. And it made that move so much easier, that transition, because that was a, that remained a constant in their lives. And everywhere we've lived, because we lived in North Carolina, and then we spent about six months in Utah before we moved to Washington, They we've always found like community, other homeschoolers, and we found opportunities. And it's, it's just been a huge blessing for our family, a huge unexpected blessing. I never would have guessed starting out having children. What were some of your concerns? Um, if you go back to Mississippi or the very first stages of this, and this kind of comes back to the myths you might have held that I hold probably in some of our listeners, what were some of your concerns? And then how did those turn out now that you've been on this road for a long time? Well, of course, socialization, that's, you know, that's the big, and it's like chuckled over in homeschool communities now, because when people talk about socialization, they're talking about, are you going to act different than the rest of us? You know, and what I tell people a lot, because actually homeschooling is great for socialization because kids usually are interacting not only with their peers, but much younger kids and much older kids and adults. And because most homeschoolers are in, are part of communities, they have co-ops and they have like, we belong to a Commonwealth school and they, we serve in the community. We go do service projects. We do take lessons and classes and like, we're not isolated. And I would say most homeschoolers are not isolated and that's not what they're seeking is isolation. And so when people talk about that socialization worry, it's, it's largely unfounded. And what they don't take into account is negative socialization, because that's something that all parents have to combat. And parents with kids in public school, they have to combat it way more than homeschooling families have to. Largely, like the negative homeschool or negative socialization that my kids deal with is typically at church. They, you know, they experience the different bullying or teasing that's usually at church that that happens. But, you know, there are instances where they 
don't get along with other kids and are in our groups or the classes aren't a good mix. Like they still learn all those skills because I actually had somebody tell me once that, um, my kids needed to experience bullying to, to really know how to survive the world. And I thought, you know what? I have never heard a less true statement than that. No one needs to experience bullying. You do need to experience dealing with people who disagree with you, but nobody needs to be bullied. That's not a necessary thing for growing up, you know, but definitely like socialization is something that actually comes really naturally to homeschool families because, because of that, they're not isolating themselves. This is very helpful for me personally. Thank you. Um, talk about um, when you talk about these Commonwealth schools, and that may be different in every state, and you have this perspective of multiple states. So if I'm your, you've got a 10-year-old boy, if I'm your 10-year-old boy, how many um, is, what percent, am I in the home every day for homeschooling? Or am I in the home every other day or part of the day? Am I in the home and part of the day interacting with other kids out of the home? It like varies so widely. <laughs> it's hard to answer that question. So um, usually at the beginning of every new season, you know, usually after Christmas or the beginning of the spring or summer, something like a natural changing point, I sit down and evaluate everybody's needs, like all my kids' needs. Like, so my 10-year-old Sawyer, he really wanted to play soccer. And so I said, okay, in the spring, we're going to do soccer. And because that was a need that he really had. And like him and my 12-year-old Greta, both were expressing interest in um, like a Lego robotics class and creative writing. And so in Washington, there's no charters or magnets. There's schools called alternative learning experience schools. And one of them in our community, you can go once a week and take classes like that. So on Wednesdays, they go for like an hour to take one of these classes that they're interested in. So it's it's hard to like pinpoint exactly how much time we're in and out of the home because it changes according to what, what the needs are. What's like when I have a newborn, we're home a lot more. And now that my youngest is four, we're gone a lot more. We can participate more outside the home and do things though. I'm really guarded from, for my mornings with my kids. Cause that's the time that I'm at my best. I'm a morning person. And so they're really going to get the best of me in the mornings. And so I try not to schedule things in the mornings, except for when we meet with our homeschool group on Tuesdays and the rest of the week, they just know that we're going to have we typically like have a devotional and we talk about things that are like, I call it mom school, but it basically I share things I find interesting, like a historical fact of the day or, and that often will lead to like a rabbit trail of, like I said, something about the national weather service was founded that day. And then we spent the rest of the morning on volcanoes and tsunamis, like hours of it. Cause everybody was so excited about this. And then we have um, a period of time where the kids, we really focus on what they're interested in learning about. And so when we, when I do that like evaluation of what are their needs, I'll say, what are you interested in right now? And they'll, somebody might say, you know, we just did a geology project at Kamala school. Can we do more geology or and for Sawyer, my 10 year old, it's always sports. Can we do more sports? And I'm like, okay, <laughs> I can do this. I'm not very big on sports, but we can figure out sports for you, buddy. So we do more sports, but yeah, so it, 
it's hard to pinpoint it down, but mornings in general, we're home. And then afternoons are for classes and lessons and friends. Like we do stuff with friends in the afternoon. And so it just kind of, it depends. I have a big family. So my family's going to look different than somebody with a couple of kids, you know, or even a single child that they're homeschooling. And some families like, like I have older kids and so they're gone all the time. Even though I still consider them homeschooled, they have a lot more classes that they take and a lot more things that they're involved in. And so they're gone a whole lot more, but their their need for that one-on-one -on -one with me is less. So how do you keep cuz I'm thinking we're parents of six kids and um and our kids were not homeschooled. But I'm aware of just now I'm starting to think about how you do this because my dear wife um, really had her hands full. Um, she's in the other room. I'd bring her in to remind us about how busy <laughs> her life was. Our youngest is now on a mission, so our home is empty tonight. But I just I'm wondering how you did this because just raising six kids is sort of exhausting. I'm remembering some of these days coming home and sensing how difficult this is for my wife. And so how do you then add this other responsibility of of educator in your home? Well, I think... Probably academic educator, because I think you're an educator anyway in lots of different yeah, ways. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say that. Like, everybody's a homeschooler. Like, your children are homeschooled from the moment they're born. You know, and if at some point you decide to outsource that, you're still your role as educator doesn't go away. And I think that's the big thing is a lot of people perceive that homeschooling is you start at a set time and you do a certain subject for a certain amount of time. And each child has this you know, individual schedule. It just doesn't really look like that. And there's lots of homeschoolers who do do it like that. So I don't want to be like the official spokesperson for all homeschoolers. Well, you are on this podcast. <laughs> oh, man. Because, yeah. But um, it just is so integrative into life that it's not really, like I said, I guard my mornings because that's where I pour mo most of my effort into. But all because, you know, I'm kind of wrapped up by noon, they're still reading and they're still working on projects and doing math and practicing instruments and, you know, and we're all just in the house together, you know, and one thing that I had to learn how to do is to really put more of like those household tasks onto my kids and teach them how to do those things. So that's cool. Yeah. And I was actually really slow to do that. My husband was the one who was like, um, they can do their own laundry. Like you don't have to do the laundry. And I was like, oh. And when I started, I teach at a music school and about six months ago, I was still teaching like two days a week, mostly so I could get the discount, the teacher discount so my kids could take lessons. Smart. <laughs> yeah. And, but it was just too much doing two days a week. But because of that, I have all these kids who can cook dinner now because I wasn't around and they just had to learn. And sometimes, you know, just thrown in the deep end, I would say, this is the recipe, go for it. And nine times out of 10, it turned out great. You know, just putting that more on them. And then they, the confidence they get from that of knowing that I could totally teach myself how to do this. Like that's been huge too. So, I mean, I definitely, I'm busy, but I don't know if it's any busier than a mom with six kids with kids in school. Cause I have sisters-in-law who have piles of kids who are all in school and they're just as busy as I am in some ways busier because my busyness ends 
by like mid afternoon and their busyness like is intense in the morning to get everybody off. And then if they're volunteering in the school, it's still busy during the day. And then it's crazy intense from three o'clock till bedtime when really that's our like easiest time in a lot of ways. That's the most like we're all together and it's because everybody's done all the things already. They have like my kids do karate. So they'll have in mutual, I guess they don't call them mutual. Activities. We know what you mean. Okay, good. It'll take two generations. <laughs> for that It'll take end. forever to work that out. So there's still evening commitments, but by the time those evening commitments rolled around, we've been having dinner and talking and playing outside and going on walks and things like that. We have all this decompression time. So I don't know if it's any busier than what your wife experienced. It's just different. And my mom was really worried about that. When I decided to homeschool again, she's like, I just don't know how you're going to do this. It just sounds so hard. And I'm like, every way is hard. There's no easy way. I'm just picking this hard way. So it's really cool. It's really yeah. interesting. It's a very outside the box type of thinking where you would just dismiss something and then you had the spiritual impressions to not dismiss that. I believe really strongly that mothers in particular receive personal revelation for their children. And I'm, I'm just glad that you were open to this. And, and I think that's a beautiful success story for your family. Thank you. Does the term church-supported, home-centered resonate with you in this area? Oh my goodness. Yes, absolutely. In fact, I mean, as soon as that program rolled out, every homeschooler I knew was like, oh, finally, like, like people are getting it. Like it really starts in the home. It's not about programs at church. It's about the home. So the enthusiasm for that was just tremendous in the homeschool community. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's interesting that that parallels exactly what you're doing. Um, Go back to some of your, go back to some of the myths um, that you held or I might hold that you would love to dispel for our listeners. I think you did a good job in socialization oh, that, that, you know, you just explained that kids are socialized well, that are homeschooled. Any other concerns you had when you first started or as you interact with other parents and they say, this is why I could never do homeschooling and they give you things that in the back of your mind you're knowing are not fact-based and you're trying to dispel them? The big thing that I hear from moms is just feeling ill-equipped to do it. Like, I don't have it, the background. I don't background. know calculus or I don't know yeah. geology. Exactly. And I'm not some savant that knows all the things. I have a music degree, right? So I feel really confident I can teach my kids music theory up to a college level, you know, but even then I outsource my kids' music lessons at, by a certain point, partly because I don't like the conflict. Like I always feel like I'd rather preserve the relationship with my kids than insist they learn from me. So, um, but I think that I don't, well, I'm trying to think how to explain it, but you don't have to have this huge bank of knowledge because most kids up to a certain point, like 14 years old, all they're wanting is really just like a taste of things. You know, like if my son, like geology, we'll just, we're picking on geology today. Like if I go and my 12 year old and 10 year old want to learn about geology, I could spend a half hour research, finding some great books on geology. And that's everything a 10 and 12 year old 
need to know about geology. And if they want to do more, if they love that and they're so into it, they're totally going to teach themselves. They're going to find more books on it and they're going to find rocks and they're going to say, mom, can you get me in some kind of an earth science class? And I'll, you know, like they'll, they'll be the ones who are driving it. And that's how you really get kids who know how to self-educate, who, who are invested in their education. It's not, if I constantly feed them information and say, memorize this, it's giving them a taste of something and they, it ignites a fire that they're like, this is interesting to me. I love this. I want to know more about it. And then they pursue it on their own. Self-vested. That's an interesting term I think you said, Jenny. And I think the visual in my mind is that you're developing kids that are proactively um, invested in their education and not looking as a I mean, there's a pretty negative attitude generally with our kids when it came to junior high and high school in particular. Yeah, um, it's rough. And, but it's interesting just some of that, some of the things you just put in my mind about self-vested and proactive and initiative that are the kind of skills you would want to develop in children that age as they age out of the public schools or and you would just want them to be able to take those skills for their whole life. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's, it's far greater for me to teach them that than facts, facts, you know, that they can spit out. And it's, it's interesting because, um, I don't want to like come across as I've got this all figured out and my kids are angels and they never, cause I know that's one of the worries that moms have. If we're going to talk about dispelling myths, yeah. what if my child won't listen to me and won't do what I ask and refuses to study this thing or whatever, you know, that that's real. That's a real concern. And it does totally happen. My almost 17 year old, my 16 year old, she at one point in junior high, was like, I hate math. I never want to do math. And it was reaching this point where we were having daily conflicts over math. And I just thought, I don't want to ruin my relationship with my daughter over math. So I just said, you know what, when you want to learn it, come find me. I will help you. And I just let it go. And she didn't do math for years. Like, and every homeschooler listening to this is probably just like dying. Every mother is probably dying that I didn't make my daughter do math for years. But I just kept talking to her about how much I love math. And she loves logic and she loves conceptual math. Like she's read uh, Isaac Asimov on numbers and Flatland and beginner's guide to constructing the universe. Like she loves, you know, conceiving ideas about numbers and mathematical concepts. And it was the, like the rote sit down, do the math that she always hated. And it, I would just wait for her to kind of realize that if she, if part of her mission in life is to go to college, she will have to learn to do math. But it's not me saying, if you don't do this, you're going to fail in life. It's me saying, so if your end goal is here, these are the steps it's going to take. Let me know what support you need. And she was like, okay, so she's in a math class right now in the junior college, at the community college. And um, it's not being nearly as bad as she thought it would be. Like, she's like, okay, I can do this. Part of it is confidence, just lacking confidence. But yeah, sometimes kids just won't do what you ask them to do. It just happens. But like, that's part of it too. 
I feel like is this is their journey to kind of figure out. But if I constantly am modeling that behavior to them, you know, modeling the the love of a subject that they're finding no love for, at some point, maybe it's not even when they're living in my house, maybe it's not even in their 20s or 30s, you know, then maybe actually I do want to learn about that. That does sound interesting. I, I think it's a great parenting strategy. Not that it's a manipulative strategy. I think it's just a good strategy to say, I'm going to play the long game here. I'm not going to force the issue. Um, and I'm just going to let people, you know, sort of figure that out. Yeah. And it I'd, takes a lot of discipline sometimes for us parents to kind of yes. oh sit back and recognize, but that's just, it takes a lot of discipline sometimes. And some personalities are better at it than other parents. <laughs> I had this like epiphany one day because my oldest was about to turn 18 and I just kept thinking of all the things we hadn't done yet. She hadn't learned yet. And I just realized I don't have to make sure she's a complete person before she leaves my house because I'm in my forties and I'm not a complete person yet. Like I'm still figuring stuff out. So I don't know why I think that she has to be, or any of my kids have to be this fully fleshed out human who's going to just totally have this amazing life now when I'm still figuring all those things out. And why would I want to deprive my, of them experiencing the same things I have of learning and growth and making mistakes and having regrets? You know, that's part of life. One of the things you said before we started, Jenny, is this is more of a lifestyle versus ours. Just talk about that. Yeah. Well, it's, it's definitely just more integrated into the life. Like we don't, uh, well, for example, somebody will come to me and say, I just read this interesting thing in this book. And then we end up having, you know, a big long discussion about whatever it is. It's just like constantly learning and talking. And my husband's really great. Anytime in the car, he has some kind of interesting fact or news item to share. And so he's just driving and telling everybody about um, cold fusion or something. I don't even know what it is. I remember we went to the coast and the whole way back, he's trying to explain, you know, uh, why there's no great unifying theory. Cool. This, this is outside my pay grade. So I'm like trying to remember what he was saying, but it's just like conversations all the time and just exploring and experimenting. And yeah, it's just part of life. And it's so not that kind of regimented hourly or, court, you know, half hourly schedule. Yeah, I mean, I probably, if you asked me how homeschooling works in a family, I, I don't think I would have said this, but I would have thought, you know, the bell rings at 8 yes. o'clock in the Han home and at 8.45 <laughs> the bell rings again and we're changing subjects. Yeah. And as I'm hearing this, and I've never talked to a person who homeschools their kid before, kids before. Oh, I'm, I'm your first. That's your, exciting. And I'm just sensing this is just part of our day routine. It isn't like a little bell goes off in your home and say, now we're being we're not homeschooling anymore and oh now it started it just seems integrated into just the daily world and then i'm thinking back to the way that probably was just the way it was in a lot of societies for a long time yeah it i would guess of all of heavenly father's children 95 percent have been homeschooled before schooling in the last few centuries has become normalized now i'm just guessing off the top of my <laughs> you know i don't have any facts to back that up but i'm guessing that that's probably what we did a lot yeah, well, definitely when, you know, pre-industrial age, the parents were home. They're trying to run 
a home and a farm and, you know, the children would go out and help with harvesting and like everybody was working cooperatively side by side. So I definitely, I mean, that was by far the norm for a long, long time. But I think the, the very, the thing that's really positive about public schooling is how it reaches everyone. Like everyone has that opportunity. So I don't feel like public school is this horrible thing and everybody should homeschool because I see the blessing of public school. The fact is that all my neighbors are literate, you know, that even the poorest of the poor can go and get a great education. And there's so many beautiful stories of people being able to change their whole life and their family circumstances because of public education. So I feel like it's a tremendous blessing. And what I really want to find is just that common ground where the families that do more traditional public schooling and the ones that are homeschooling are able to support and strengthen one another. Because when I first went back to homeschooling, this was about 10 years ago, when I would tell people I'm homeschooling, it would just be like this, I would get grilled about it. Like, but what about socialization? And what about how you're going to make sure that they're learning what they need to? Like all this concern and judgment too. Like judgments in there. Yeah, a lot of judgment. And especially because that award, everybody went to that magnet school or the, yeah, no charter school. And it was like, why would you pull your children out of this school that we all love? And it's and that wonderful. Seems threatening to them. Yeah, it's like, why would you question our decision to do this as well? And in that time period, I've watched this shift that now when I say I homeschool, instead of people like grilling or judging me, they fear my judgment. And they say, oh, I, I couldn't do that because, and they feel like they have to like justify their decision not to homeschool. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I no, like I don't care. Like I'm not judging you on your choices. And the thing that I just felt so like compelled to even like talk about today was to recognize that people who are making prayerful decisions and really like trying to take the care of the needs of their children, it's going to be individual to every family. And you see within each of those communities or groups of, you know, families and how they choose to school, trying to like convert each other, you what know? What makes us want to do that, Jenny? I think it's a cultural thing. Like I love Seth Godin. He's a writer and I love his podcast and he talks about culture is people like us do things like this. I don't know if I'm saying that right. It's good enough for me. Yeah. Something like that. But a culture is just like everybody kind of doing the same things. And so when you have people who are not doing the same things, it's, it's weird. And you're like, why aren't we all just doing the same thing? And I see that when somebody's struggling, like their kid's struggling in public school, the homeschoolers are stepping in and saying, you should just homeschool them. And when the homeschoolers are struggling, the public schoolers step in and say, you should just put them back into school. And I just was telling my husband that the other night, it's like saying, I've got this scratch on my arm. And somebody says, well, just amputate. Just, just take that little puppy off. You'll, everything will be much better. When really what people are saying is, I'm in pain. Like, just listen to me. <laughs> You know, just validate my experience instead of trying to just swoop in there and fix it. And it's like, yeah, it's like everyone's trying to convert each other to the other side. And I just think that's that's not what we need. It's just it's part of our it's a great question that I asked you and I loved your answer. But I just it is interesting the way we, you know, when we see other people make other decisions that are different than us that somehow is threatening to us. I know in our own neighborhood. Um, we are part of 
several elementary schools that make up our ward. And when our kids were going to elementary school, there's been about, there were kind of two main elementary schools and maybe some others. And it created tension um, in our ward that um, probably was unfortunate because there were probably both good elementary schools. But I, I sense that the parents going to one school kind of wanted everybody to go to that school and sort of, and vice versa. And we would point out the strengths of each school. And and I and I think you're trying to help us live a higher law, which is each parent has personal revelation for their family, just back to a home-centered yeah. church. And that's personal revelation that parents receive. And we shouldn't, we should just be at peace with each other's decisions and willing to learn yeah. from each other's decisions because it might help us be a better parent. Have you ever felt an impression to not homeschool one child. And have you ever felt that? Have you ever felt that this works for all six children? So far, it has felt right. But my third daughter is the one who's pushed wanting to go to school the most. And she would just, especially when she was little, because we decided to homeschool the year before she was going to go to kindergarten. And so when we said, actually, we're all going to stay home, she was like, wait, what? I know I'm going to kindergarten. And I said, we're going to have it at home. And she was so confused and uh, like disappointed, but you know, we made it magical and fun and we had groups and things to do, but she, I just always knew her needs were going to be different than the other kids. And, um, this year, so she's a freshman in high school. We had talked about it the year before, um, about taking some classes at one of these alternative learning schools. And so she goes and takes world history and biology and loves it and is super happy. And she's like, this is just right. This is just the right amount of school that I want. Cause then she has classes at the Commonwealth school as well. And she has other, you know, things she's involved in. And so now this year we've been talking and she says, I think I want to take three or four classes at that school. And I have these ones in mind, especially because one is taught by a teacher, surety, her biology teacher, who she likes. And so one thing that I feel really strongly too, is that to teach kids to be prayerful about their education as well. And to be thinking about, you know, what class should I take? Like my daughters who've been at the community college, they pray about what classes to sign up for. And my daughter who's there right now, she, um, was trying to decide between two psychology classes and I knew she was excited for one and less excited for the other. And, but she said, I prayed about it and I felt like I should take the other. And it's been a great experience too. Like, I don't always know, we don't always know the reasons why, right. But teaching them that they are the drivers, that they are the ones entitled to that revelation. It, it's very empowering to them. And then again, they're even more invested, right? I prayed about this and got an answer about what I should do, about what class to take. And that ability, they're gonna be able to use that, you know, and through however much education they get and whatever decision that they make in their lives, so. That's really interesting, because I I love the principles of empowering and invested in our children and as a parent to try to um, build those life skills into children for their future, but, in our family, you know, that's, I haven't, I'm not sh- it's been a range of that in the high school and junior high level. It seems like it's this outside thing they've got to sign up. Yeah. Got some exceptions to that with some kids who really excelled and did some of the things, but it seemed like most of that started when they went to college. And that's kind of when we stepped away as parents and they kind of, 
transition to sort of more of that. And I think one of the things I'm realizing from your family journey is that started earlier. Yeah, definitely. And maybe that's good. And maybe those of you that are public school families like ours can pick up some things from Jenny and and try to help your kids develop some of those skills. Absolutely. And I, I have school. wonderful I have wonderful sisters-in-law who are trying to do that with their kids, teach them to be invested and and choose their classes as much as they can and yeah to have input on that and just be deliberate yeah i definitely think by college like to me by college like i would love for this to be skills they've already practiced a lot because my husband husband and i both went to college and we're like freedom <laughs> like you know and didn't really have a strong sense of purpose and like i definitely want my kids to feel mission driven right like i have a mission here on earth that is unique to me that i'm capable of doing and trying to pursue the path that supports that not to say that they won't screw up and not know what they're doing and you know there's still going to be plenty of that like I've definitely had my kids come to me and be like, I don't know. You you tell me I have this life mission. I don't even know what that is and the confusion that comes with that, you know, but definitely trying to do that earlier. Talk about colleges. Um, how does that work if your kids are, and this is happening in your family, you're applying to colleges. How do they look at homeschooling? Most colleges love homeschoolers. Like in general, they, so like for instance, BYU, um, they're, requirements, their entrance. My daughter just did this. I can't think of admission, right? Their admissions is essays. It's mostly essays. True. And I love that. I love that. And there's some really interesting um, books and podcasts on this. Like I've spent a lot of time researching this, just trying to figure out what is important. And really what it comes down to is you figure out where it is you want to go to school and then you build your portfolio or whatever it is catered to that school. So really it's, if you've got, and we live in the Pacific Northwest, so there's a lot of like really cool, you know, if my kids wanted to go somewhere up there, they might just have to show up and have an interview or have a portfolio of things they've accomplished. It really, if you have an idea where you want to go, you look at the requirements for there. I think BYU-Idaho, it's like you have to take uh, an exam, some kind of a high school, high school equivalency. And this changes all the time. Like you have to check on these things like constantly, but because my kids have gone to the community college, it's like equivalent. Like they count the tests that you take to go to community college, things like that. Why would a college like homeschooled children? Well, in general, they are self-starters. Like we've been talking, you know, they have been in charge of their education for a while already, they tend to academically do a lot better. That's not to say that, you know, that public schoolers don't, I don't, I don't know how to, you know, I only know what I know, you know, but um, they just tend to perform really well when they get to college. And so homeschoolers get recruited sometimes, you know. Fascinating. Yeah. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, but I do, my wife is particularly feel, uh, familiar with the BYU administrate, ad, you know, ad, admission. Yeah. admission process and essays are a big part of that. I remember high school GPA was a part of that, mm -hmm. um, ACT test score, at least here in Utah. How do yeah. you handle GPA? Uh, well, I mean, all I, 
know is from what my oldest has done so far, but she went to community college. So that's part of her GPA. So we've just yeah, counted that as GPA. That makes sense. And I mean, she had taken classes, you know, various things, but they were rarely graded. So having the essays was really beneficial because then she could really showcase you know, how she felt about things or like the questions are really amazing in those essays. It really helped her examine, you know, how she felt about her education. And Talk about the divide potentially that's in the ward. It kind of comes, you know, we just, the goal of this podcast and a lot of things are, you know, there's a lot of people, including you, that are trying to create a feeling in our ward that everybody's welcome. Yeah. Um, no matter where they are in different spaces. And our ward should just be this healing, welcome place. And sometimes we create these divides. Yeah. And this is one I haven't thought a lot about of, but it's a divide. So talk about, does that divide exist? And and how can we overcome that? Well, it definitely exists. Like I've seen it. We've you know, now homeschooled and lived in multiple states. And you, I think it has to do with just wanting to surround yourself with people who are like you. I think it's just human nature to do. And you also want to feel supported. And I was thinking about this because, um, so I've taught Shakespeare four years at our Commonwealth school. And every spring we put on a play, we put on a Shakespeare play. And one thing that's wonderful is when we get a really great turnout from members of the ward to come and see the kids in the play. And cause we have, we will have like, you know, three or four kids from the ward who are in these plays. And it is such a boost to them to look out and see their young woman's president or the bishop or a counselor. Like that's, that makes them feel so supported. And like, I would say even, you know, more of that like outreach, like, how can I support you in your journey? Like I've seen instances where people say, oh, I homeschool. And then people change the subject because they feel like, uh, I don't know what to say to that. So let's just talk about something else. And one thing that's, one experience that I had that was very challenging for me is we were in a ward where they'd had this special, back when we had third hours, the third hour, we had a third hour meeting and they had these two seniors in high school come and talk to all the parents, all the adults who could come about their experiences of trying to live their testimonies in a high school setting and the things they were witnessing and dealing with and how they were able to maintain their standards and how they were able to still be missionaries and be friends. And I was so excited to go to this meeting because I wanted to know, like, how can I support these kids? How can I, you know, I have nieces and nephews in the area. Like, how can I help them to really feel like they can be who they are in this setting? And I'm sitting there and the feeling of fear from these parents was just palpable. You know, like, how are we going to, save our children, you know, and everyone's talking and asking these wonderfully eloquent young man and young woman just admired them so much and just thought, well, look at these things that they're doing. These are amazing kids that they're able to, you know, be missionaries and be able to withstand temptation and all these things. And one parent raises their hand and says, I just don't know. I just don't know how this is going to work for my kids. Like, Maybe, maybe we should just homeschool our kids. And the whole room erupted in laughter. Wow. 
everybody just started laughing. Like, like a real a, vulnerable moment where someone was sharing how they really feel. Yeah. The and shame that creates. So much shame. And I felt it because homeschooling was such a joke, you know, and here's this person who was asking a legitimate question and yeah, and that was the response to it. And I just thought, oh, this isn't a safe space for me. It's not a safe space for me. You know, and I had to get up and I had a tiny baby, so I had a good excuse. But I was like, I'm just going to go walk around for a little bit and just try to get my bearings back here because I feel so secure in that decision. And I feel like it is validated by through revelation. And like, I did not come to this just on a whim, you know, and to feel like it's treated like a joke. It was really hard. And I just had to realize that I wasn't going to get support in that arena for homeschooling. So I will get support for homeschooling from other homeschoolers and from people who love me and support me. But it would be nice to also have that in the ward, right? Like if, and I see this in primary because I was the chorister before I was the president. And there are a handful of homeschooled kids. And it's so wonderful for them because I was the beginning of September. That's when schools start in Washington. Um, we're talking about going back to school. And, and I said, my kids do homeschool. These are the things that we're doing to get ready to kind of gear up for the fall. And some of the kids raising their hand, yeah, in my homeschool, we're doing this. And to have it be just, this is a shared experience. We're all having this shared experience of getting ready for the new year because lots of people start things back up in September and to make it more, you know, like we're all just sharing, like there isn't, here's yours and here's something else that's completely different. Like it's just all, we're all together doing this. Yeah, that's really hopeful, you know, and I cringe because what have I laughed? I probably would have laughed. Um, and I know you're not trying to make me feel bad. No, I'm not. And I have laughed. I have made so many homeschool jokes. Like you have no I idea. Just, you referenced before we went live the podcast you listened to where the ward council, Bishop Barney asked, and this is the Alpine 12th Ward podcast. Yes. Um, is our ward a safe place for everybody was sort of the question he asked the ward council. And I think if I sat on that ward council 10 years ago, I would just assume, of course, you know, of course it's a safe place for everybody. But... I recognize that there's things that I might do or the culture might do or that would make it, uh, the experience that you feel at church not be the balm of Gilead. And I have tender heart feelings for that mom who vulnerably opened up um, and the shame that she felt. I wonder if she ever opened up again about anything. <laughs> I don't know. Because um, that could be it's a pretty honest question she asked, and we need to learn to... Um, kind of mute ourselves and recognize that's a real honest question and and not just laugh at things that don't fit our narrative. One of my, I've been, one of a quote I came across recently from Elder Uchtdorf, it obviously doesn't apply to, it isn't specific to this homeschooling, but it might, makes me want to be teachable. And he says, brothers and sisters, as good as our previous experience may be, if we stop asking questions, stop thinking, stop pondering, we can thwart the revelations of the Spirit. Remember, it was the questions young Joseph asked that opened the door for the restoration of all things. We can block the growth and knowledge our Heavenly Father intends for us. How often has the Holy Ghost tried to tell us something we did to know, but we couldn't get past the massive iron gate of what we thought we already knew? And wow. that 
that spiritual impression got past your iron gate. <laughs> yes. When you acted on that impression to consider homeschooling. And good for you. Thank and you. look at the blessing it's been for your family and your kids. And I just, there's no doubt that you've made the right decision. I only know your kids, and I can just sense from you and the spirit that you bring and the feelings you have about this space that there's forever paydays for you for acting that impression and with your kids. And they're not perfect kids. We all know our kids aren't perfect, but you've made the right decision. And it's going to forever bless them. And you're going to, my guess is they start to raise kids that you're going to see skills that they developed in this homeschooling process that you're going to sit back and, and they may not mention to you that they learned this from you. They might, but you'll recognize their gifts as parents. Some of that came from your decision to homeschool. And your grandkids are going to be better off because you acting that impression. And I love also that you're not here advocating for homeschooling. You're not saying, no. everybody leave the public school and do what I'm doing. You're teaching this principle that's so important is everybody's got to honor the personal revelation, but let's set aside the biases so sometimes that personal revelation can get through to us um, about what is the right thing for our family. Absolutely. that You just summed it up perfectly, exactly what I wanted to talk about today. And one thing that I would mention too is what a tremendous blessing it's been for me. And all those many years ago when the spirit was like, your kids are going to be okay, this is for you, has brought so much more meaning to me now in realizing that I am becoming the person that I needed to be. And I am learning the things that I need to learn because of this journey. And yeah, like you were saying that Heavenly Father is deeply invested in the education of our kids, of the, these spirits that he's sending here. And he has a unique plan for each one of them. And just making that, you know, a prayerful, thoughtful process, you, there'll be tremendous blessings. Anything else you want to leave with our listeners? Um, just mostly don't buy into stereotypes, like talk to people, you know, and there, I know lots of homeschoolers who people would label weird, you know, they, and I just see people who are really just trying to live the best life that they want to have for themselves and for their kids. And we just don't bridge those divides when we, label people or put them in a box or feel like I cannot possibly understand their, this person. Like it, it's worth the effort to really get to know people and to make them feel safe and welcome. Um, I asked Jenny before we went live how she became aware of our podcast. And, and I mentioned this just, you know, one of your daughters um, heard the Stacy Harkey coming out as gay Studio C podcast. Yes. And, and you ended up listening to that and enjoying that and having a good family discussion. But it helps me sort of, that it actually helps me understand a little bit of this stereotype that your kids are sheltered. There's no internet access. There's no, there's no electricity in your home. I'm being dramatic now. <laughs> yeah, that's very dramatic. Um, but that teaches me that, no, homeschooling is part of education and you want your children to be educated on issues of the day, including LGBTQ for teenage daughters or sons. And so yeah. they're aware of that issue. And you didn't, and some podcasts, obviously, you wouldn't want your teenage kids to hear. They're not age appropriate. But right. I, that helps me understand the mindset that's in your home and the education that goals that are present there. 
So we will sign off. Jenny Hahn, H-A-H-N. Um, thanks for being on an episode of Listen, Learn, and Love and helping us better understand homeschooling and um, just the role of personal revelation for parents um, to help know what's right for their kids and things that we can do um, to eliminate divide. There's this, Brene Brown talks about common common enemy intimacy. And this isn't quite what it is, but we sometimes form community about things we're not for. And it, it gives us a sense of belonging, all of us private public school people. But let's just, you know, let's, we don't need to take on others that are doing it differently to sort of lift our position. That's really what I've tried to do in this podcast and in my personal journey. And, um, and that's what I love that you're teaching here is you're not, you're just doing exactly that. You're not trying to create a divide or saying this is better. You're just bringing education so that we can all come together as the body of Christ and support and help each other. Thank you. And thank you, our listeners, for joining us on another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love.